I mean, if it's a Salesforce, I'm going to be a developer. Maybe if I'm doing the certifications with my experience, I might be like an architect or whoever in mm-hmm. the future. But I don't think I would get into the same position as I would get in like a smaller company that's going to be growing into something bigger in future. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Analysis Paralysis. I'm here with Sai. We had met um, on an online app that connects kind of professionals. It's somewhat like a LinkedIn equivalent, and he is a Salesforce developer. So we kind of just went into discussion about CRM, where we see these massive companies like Salesforce going, uh, Prosperworks, the smaller companies focusing on the small mid-market. We just kind of had a discussion about the space. Sai, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Alex. Great. Cool. Yeah. So uh, I'm curious about your background and um, how did you get started in this space? Sure. I've done my graduation in the telecommunications and I felt that, uh, you know, like a software is like a light source for most of the electronic devices. So I thought I just moved on to the computer science field and I did my master's and, you know, graduate studies in computer information systems. Then uh, in one of my courses, I came across the Salesforce to my cloud computing course. Mm -hmm. And I thought this is the right thing. And based on, I had a little experience in the market research and uh, I know like these kind of, you know, collaborated the interest in the computer science and the market research. And I thought the Salesforce is like a right platform for me to concentrate on. Then I just started learning more about the Salesforce and I got pretty fascinated and started looking for a job in that and finally landed a job in Salesforce. And right after my master's, I started working for Salesforce uh, on Salesforce to a consultation partner for a huge insurance company. You started, I guess, it sounds like in kind of the marketing space and then the marketing side of Salesforce. And then I I guess when you see Salesforce, you see a true CRM, it's not just sales and marketing. It's it's really like even operations, like you can tailor Salesforce to go from, you know, before the person becomes a customer, or even a lead all the way up mm-hmm. to them, like they're an existing customer and you're mm-hmm. giving them a service and you need to track them or mm-hmm. um, even just managing throughout a, a project. And I think that's the powerful thing about CRM where, yeah, like mm-hmm. sales is an important aspect to it. And that's that's how I got involved with it as well. Uh, but then you start seeing how much you could build a process inside of the CRM and exactly. business process is that's such a broad thing. Every single company has a business process, regardless yeah. of whether or not they have it documented and, and built out to a CRM. So mm-hmm. it's definitely yeah, interesting. Yeah, I totally agree with that because, yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, taking uh, Salesforce into consideration because they're into like it, it's like a much wider platform. Like a, they got like a really wide spectrum of. Uh, you know things that you can actually do with Salesforce. It's not just CRM. Mm-hmm. I think because you get because they got in like you got analytics in that you got Einstein like which is like a similar to Watson like which is a mm-hmm. AI. They are introducing that one, so it, it would actually automatically you know give you recommendations about how you can make your pages. Uh, you know like uh, the uh, the user interface, whatever you're building for the end users and all mm-hmm. that. So you know that every day for every release, because Salesforce usually does two releases every year, and with every release they're coming up with something much much smarter, much better way to interact uh, with the end users, and it makes yeah, it just it just keeps making life much easier for all these industries out so there. So what do you yeah. think the the next step of CRM is? Because like it's it's an interesting thing. Like we're playing around with the idea of AI and machine learning and. 
Um, mm-hmm. Is the goal of a CRM eventually where you you go into it and then it tells you like, hey, these are the the ten people you should focus on following up with today because you know running machine learning, all of these data points have hit and like they are a perfect opportunity at this moment in time right now. Like, is is that the goal of CRM or or is it supposed to be more ingrained and in, in, like what do you think? Uh, I think they are looking for much about that. Because uh, what you're saying is already exists, sort of already exists. Mm-hmm. Because uh, let's say with the Einstein, uh, it would actually give you a much better recommendations about the leads. Uh, you know, like turning the opportunities and uh, leads into opportunities and mm-hmm. all that. But Salesforce kind of actually does. Uh, I mean, it's like a different edition that you have to pay more for in Salesforce. Yep. Uh, I think they already do. Like even Watson. Uh, I mean, uh, let's just keep the the. Uh, I mean, the CRM aside. Like if you look at the help the mine. Uh, they're all they're actually already doing that mm-hmm. uh, something that monitors the patients that uh, something that you know helps the doctors uh, uh, doctor and the patient interaction much easier and uh, you know so, uh, something that helps the doctors to actually concentrate with like uh, con- uh, to let the uh, doctors know which pa- patient to they, they should be concentrating on uh, and I, I think because I'm working in a currently working in an insurance uh, industry mm-hmm. right now so and they're actually using a different kind of analytics right here already for you know like uh for a much better uh interaction between the you know the health health service providers mm-hmm. and the customers who are actually using all those kind of policies and all that so i mean uh everyone got their own choices and uh, like picks to use the kind of analytics they want i think um it's pretty much everywhere and the only thing the salesforce does much better is, is actually integrating that analytics they, i mean they actually came up with their own analytics so it makes the industry's life much easier so that they don't really have to go out there into the field and look for the right analytics and they have to back and, and does a background check like if we can actually integrate this into the current crm or not mm-hmm. i think uh, salesforce does this part much better because they actually came up with their own thing so i think okay. uh that's where it it's actually leading now. So, so I mean, it seems like really the, the truth of the matter is that there's so many companies, so many old companies and new that they mm-hmm. they can utilize this software uh, in some regard, and it, it can already do so much. Salesforce, uh, these other CRMs that exist, they can do so much if you actually have someone kind of customize it and learn your business processes and implement it. It's just mm-hmm. a lot of companies don't actually have them in place, and, and a lot of older companies, like Salesforce mm-hmm. may be running with them, but it, it may have not been a proper install, a proper process. A lot of, like, they may have just decided, you know, I want to save the money instead of hiring someone to configure it for us, and I just want to do it internally. Their data mm-hmm. could be a mess, and they may not actually be getting out of it uh, what they potentially could be. So so it sounds like a lot of this just comes down to kind of using it properly because it can already do so much if you know how to use it. Exactly, exactly. I mean, you just, you just need to figure out the ways to actually utilize the whole uh, whole whole package that you actually got been given mm-hmm. so there and there like like i told you like uh, there are different like a wide spectrum of uh, ways you can actually utilize it in uh and and if you're if you're an expanding uh business right now in industry i think i would say this is a like a right uh crm to choose uh, choose from like because uh, you know you can you don't really have to stop at where you started you can just keep expanding and you mm-hmm. don't really have to go for something else because you already got a whole package and you can keep you know the more sophisticated you become and the package you already have is already a sophisticated one so you can just keep expanding it the way you are developing so uh so what is the size of 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 the mar- like the the target kind of market that you guys are going after like are these enterprise uh large businesses like maybe maybe um oh this the one that we are currently working on is it, it is really a huge uh okay. market but, uh 
I mean, we got like a thousands of end users. Okay. That interact with um, uh, I would say uh, maybe hundreds of thousands of other end customers. Okay. I'm working on a service platform right now, and I would say Salesforce makes uh, makes the life of these. Uh, People actually using the service platform a lot easier uh, using the CTI, like a, which is a you know like computer telephonic integration where you can actually you know interact mm-hmm. with the customer mm-hmm. uh, and you know like a hand, do a handoff like a transfer to the other and other user if you can't handle that task mm-hmm. and you know like uh, or you know like recording the data. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there are a lot, a lot of a lot of easier ways you know to interact with the uh, the customer. When you are actually the end user of using this service platform, mm-hmm. and the way you can develop it in the developer perspective, I think there are, there are certain limits, certain governing limits, uh, depending upon the uh, you know the size of business that you are working on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's pretty good with uh, whatever you pick from the Salesforce mm-hmm. because so- you already they already come with a certain number of limits, and it's actually pretty good for a really large scale business. So, so what is the part? of Salesforce that you like the most? Is it the integration aspect? Is it the business process development for a company? Is it the problem solving? Like what really made you, I guess, fall in love with, with Salesforce? It's not just Salesforce. It's, it's the concept of business process, CRM, automation, integration. Like what about that kind of made you fall in love with the industry? Um, I would say I just, um, well, the, the fascination actually started from the marketing cloud like I told you, mm-hmm. then I thought it was only on the marketing cloud. Then as every day, like as a, a step-by-step when I came to know about like more ways and not only, this, uh, I mean, the ways you can actually use it on the sales service and the communities, then it got me really excited because I thought this was just bounded to the marketing. Mm-hmm. Then I was like, oh, wow, you can actually do so many things. And these are some things that are mandatory. I mean, there are, they're going to be there in every industry. Like mm-hmm. marketing is like a mandatory thing because you can't launch your, launch your product without doing a proper market research. Mm-hmm. Like you won't know the, if the people person is actually going to buy it or not. Mm-hmm. You're not going to just blindly launch it. And the sales, and you got to have a st- sales strategy to actually sell your product, mm-hmm. right? So, I mean, all these kind of things and you're actually doing all this on the same platform, one single platform uh, got me really excited. I mean, Technology excites me and fascinates me. And the better it is for the user, the, I mean, the, the all the possible ways you can actually use it. And, you know, in the most easiest way, mm-hmm. I would say that the most easiest way, uh, this thing, uh, you know, made me fall in love with that. Like, mm-hmm. I thought it's going to be like a, because I've seen uh, other CRMs, like uh, you must have heard of Pega and all that, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean... Not the latest, latest version because I've seen other companies using the uh, the past versions of Pega, and I feel the user interface is pretty complicated for the end user. Mm-hmm. It's more like uh, you are actually uh, doing the administrative tasks. You're more like yep. uh, doing the. I mean, it's not like a regular u- user. You actually think that the customer service representative would be actually aware of doing the configuration, of, like taking care of the workflow or doing whatever the most the complicated parts. I mean, the, the jo- his job was to just mostly interact with the customers and understand their issues and log them and do the whole process. So I don't think it would be like an extra burden for him to actually learn the administrative part or, or whatever the development part. So, so, so what, what are some of your feelings though about, okay, so, so, I mean, I, I've used Salesforce and, and helped implement it for some clients and I've definitely dealt with a lot of customers that have used Salesforce in the past. And mm-hmm. 
like you're talking about ease of use here and and realistically there are some like newer CRMs out there, you know, base CRMs of the world and you know HubSpot's trying to get in there, Prosperworks, these CRMs they're trying to build a, to be a bit you know a little bit more simple um but but very 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 user friendly to the point where someone can probably jump on and start using it probably a lot more easily than Salesforce, but these are not really built for the thousand, ten thousand, hundred thousand user type exactly. thing. So, yeah. so, what, so, is, what's your feeling about that? Yeah, this is where the limits come. The governance limits and all those coming coming to the picture. I mean, uh, let's say like uh, like the Prosper Works that you work on. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's pretty good for uh, uh, like a small and a medium scale business, I guess. Yep. Well, I don't think they would be uh, able to actually handle a large scale business where like there are like a 30,000 end users and millions. Oh, of no, people. they're not they trying to be right. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. But uh, I mean, they're, they're, they might have a plan to go up to till there. But uh, I think uh, Salesforce ha- uh, have actually figured it out already. Mm-hmm. And that's why they're still in the market. Uh, I mean, like just being like uh, it's more uh, I would say it's more like uh, being the apex mm-hmm. uh, predator of all these. I think they, I mean, they, they came up with a much better idea. They, they, ha, they actually foreseen the requirements of the huge businesses mm-hmm. that are going on out there. And they're actually keeping up the pace too. Like uh, in the 2016, the Salesforce came into Lightning. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lightning is like a much better interface because the Salesforce, the Salesforce Classic, which is which was the, the version before the 2016, like I was like, telling you about the Pega, right? The Pega, mm-hmm. which had a not really user-friendly interface for end user. Yep. Salesforce had a similar interface too, but Salesforce upgraded it, it was trying to keep up the pace uh, with the current market, like how to make the things user-friendly for an uh, end user. So they came up with the Lightning, which is a fantastic user interface. It's mm-hmm. got, like it's going to be very easier for any sort of an end user, not only for the user, it's for the developer part too. It, it makes your life a lot easier developing, and there are a lot of uh, ways uh, you can make it make it look much better. I mean, uh, 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 as a regular developer, mm-hmm. I mean, Let's say you're not aware of Salesforce and you're just trying to try to develop the Salesforce now, uh, develop something on the Salesforce. And when you look at it, I think you, you would be easily able to just do the, all the administrative tasks by yourself because it's, mm-hmm. they made it that much easier. You can just uh, easily get on that and you can just start developing or working on it immediately. So they, they made it a lot easier for not only for the end users, but also for the developers and administrators that they actually have, you know, like actually work on the application. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and a lot of other CRMs are also trying to keep up the pace with them, right? Uh, haven't really heard anything about the Microsoft CRM, but I heard they're trying to, you know, like come yeah. up with a much better changes down. So. Yeah, I think there's a, there's a few things like as Microsoft moved into Office 365, um, mm-hmm. they they they're trying to build in a couple of different solutions more to the core of that service, and probably not necessarily trying to be trying to compete with like a Salesforce, just more of like, I, there, I think there's something interesting going on right now with small businesses. So enterprise, Salesforce, these massive companies, um, you know, even Box, for example, just a random company, they're, they're older, but they have a lot of enterprise clients, even BlackBerry back in the day, they have that enterprise mm-hmm. stronghold that it's, it's that there's a mm-hmm. lot of money in it. And the amount of small businesses you'd have to get to, to this equivalent of one enterprise client it's significant. So you see why Salesforce has j- definitely like figured out that area. They moved when they first started. I'm sure they were in the small, medium sized business and they slowly moved upstream. Every company does, right? Like the serious money is an enterprise. So they figured out enterprise. They they own that space. They're a, what, a $60 billion market cap company right now. Like they're gigantic. And I, I started mm-hmm. seeing recently that Salesforce is actually trying to get 
a little bit back into the small business solution because they started seeing that these companies were coming up and, and taking over that space. And it's this interesting thing where I swear they had, I forgot what the solution was called, but I think they just killed it off recently. And now I'm seeing something like a uh, small business solution, uh, essentials Salesforce. Like it almost seems like they're trying to get back into small business, but they're also like, do you, do you know what's going on with that? Like, do, like, are they trying um, to get like, I, yeah, the, yeah, actually, you know, I heard something like that from one of my one of, one of my friends, like who been to the Salesforce World Tour that happened last week in mm -hmm. New York. So he was telling me something about like, uh, like similar to this one. He didn't he didn't tell me this for sure, but he was telling me it was it was like part of their you know like monologue where uh, the Salesforce was actually you know looking into getting into all these uh, you know smaller businesses to going into all all the si you know all kinds of uh, sizes of mm -hmm. businesses. Uh, rather than just sticking with the, you know, like uh, these huge implementations, uh, they want to go in for like a, you know, like a smaller class businesses too. But I think uh, it would be really hard for them to actually, you know, take care of the maintenance. I mean, maybe Salesforce should uh, come down with their cost because I feel there's a, uh, it's a little pricey. Mm -hmm. Salesforce is a little pricey for uh, small scale businesses because uh, I don't think you would want to pay like uh, 300 bucks for an unlimited edition of Salesforce. Uh, for an, uh, you know, like a company with like a 40 employees. Oh, yeah. 50 employees. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, um, but, so, but that's I, where, I mean, that's there, where... There are, there's always a choice, though. There's always choice. Like, in, you can actually pick uh, something that suits you. Maybe not an unlimited edition because you don't, you're, if you're not going to use an unlimited edition, then you don't really need to get that. I mean, there are like other, uh, you know, uh, developer editions like uh, that you can actually get mm -hmm. on Salesforce and use it for the company. Um, but but uh, so, maybe. So that's where, uh, that's but, where it's tough, though, right? Because like, so Salesforce, even going into the small business area, it, it doesn't totally make business sense because. The, the sheer, like, as you mentioned, they need to kind of charge these prices per seat because they're also giving support. And I think a lot of these companies don't realize, or you could even see like the HubSpots of the world that, that offer it for free or like a very cheap per seat license. They don't give mm -hmm. like any phone support. They don't give any customer support because mm -hmm. you simply, you can't be a SaaS company, charge $30 per seat per month and give customer support. That's insane. Like the, you need, exactly. like, that's the most mm -hmm. expensive part. So it, it's this weird thing where it's almost like I think Salesforce already owns the enterprise market they like I wonder how much larger they can even grow like they already have most of it I mean there, there are some mm -hmm. larger there's a, who are their their largest competitors right now there's there's I think there's two right I mean uh for the Salesforce yeah uh I think Microsoft yeah, uh, Dynamics CRM, but I haven't mm -hmm. really heard a lot of companies using it. But mm -hmm. uh, I heard it's pretty good. But like uh, Microsoft, it's still got like a lo lots of units mm -hmm. uh, for themselves the where they can actually use the Microsoft uh, Dynamics CRM. And keeping that aside, I think there's, uh, you probably, ha have you heard of this uh, SAP's hybrid? Thing? Yes, yes. I, the, yeah, mm -hmm. I, I, I feel that it's going to give it like a really good competition for Salesforce. Mm -hmm. I mean, I well, SAP has been around forever, right? Like they're they're one of those uh, massive companies that's just they've been in the game for so long, and their their market cap is is fairly significant. I think they're 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 a significantly larger company than Salesforce. Because exactly, they 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 are they are, and I but you know I mean you do realize that SAP is much expensive than Salesforce though. Right. Well, yeah, uh, mm -hmm. they're not they, just CRM, quote unquote, right? Like not, not Salesforce yeah. isn't just CRM, but SAP never wanted to just be CRM. Exactly. They're, they're into pretty much everything like, uh, the, I mean, they've been in the ERP systems and I mean, they're, they're they got their own analytics cloud and, you know, like uh, uh, SAP was already into all these fields way before Salesforce. Mm -hmm. They're already there. And now uh, I think they're they're trying to keep up the pace too. They came up with the uh, SAP Hybris. 
and i think uh, which is pretty cool i think this is definitely gonna give a you know like a strong uh, a strong competition to salesforce mm-hmm. because you know uh, they got this omnichannel sa- uh, software which is like a pretty good competitor for the salesforce omnichannel and uh, th- they got like a pretty good marketing cloud like uh, just like a uh, salesforce but i'm um, uh, i think uh, the price is where it uh, makes a difference i guess mm-hmm. i feel that uh, sap hybris would be a much expensive than salesforce mm-hmm. so that's uh, that's like a you know like a good uh, survi- uh survival plus point for salesforce uh because it, it is a uh, way more expensive i think uh, i mean it's not about the price but though but i mean you would get the same i mean a much better benefit maybe you would get a much better benefits than salesforce mm-hmm. if you're using sap hybris well, yeah. and, and I, i'm i'm pretty sure but this is definitely not for like a medium scale and the small scale business oh, something yeah. that salesforce is actually looking into maybe maybe sap is trying to beat the, uh, the large scale large scale business implementation of the salesforce mm-hmm. but i think the salesforce is actually looking down and more towards the the medium and the small scale businesses now. So I well, think it's, so that's why I want what let's let's throw on that. Like why do they want to do that? Because like, okay, so SAP, they're in the ERP space and these other areas that are all connected, like as you mentioned, it's really just general business process. They want to be the solution for for everything with that. So so what why would Salesforce you know, back away from getting involved with that, where there's still a lot of money, a lot more market cap. Like, how much larger can Salesforce even get if they if they took over the small medium business market? I don't feel like there's that much more market cap they can add versus going after the big guns of SAP and Microsoft Dynamics. Like, I feel like it's the only direction they can go to grab market share. I don't think they're gonna head, head like going like going head on towards the SAP hybrids and Microsoft Dynamics Yarning. I think they're already pretty good. Uh, Salesforce already pretty good in the market. I think they're trying to you know like uh, you know maintain their uh, stand right now in the market because mm-hmm. uh, already they're already in a pretty good position right now and uh, expanding at a much uh, lower uh, rate uh, compared to uh, com- I mean uh, compared to any other uh, like compared to the SAP hybrids because a lot of companies are already using the SAP so probably they might uh, uh, you know like opt for SAP hybrids because it, uh, it's already in their systems mm-hmm. so uh, I, I think uh, Salesforce is not trying to you know like push uh, the SAP away and get into their seats mm-hmm. uh, I think it's just trying to you know like uh, keep uh, keep up their position there strong. Mm-hmm. Rather than just trying to give a strong competition to SAP Hybrid, I think they're uh, they might be giving a good competition to Microsoft Dynamics CRM though. Okay, that I, that thing is for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but I think uh, maybe they're trying to you know like uh, expand their way down, you know like uh, uh, down to the small and the medium sizes. Because I mean uh, the co- the companies that you're looking at right now, mm-hmm. uh, let's say uh, a small good startup. That's gonna, you know, like um, with a capital of like 400 million right now, is using a uh, uh, ProsperWorks right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so and uh, suddenly the company goes up for like a two billion or three billion. It's not like they're just just gonna kick off these ProsperWorks and just move on to the Salesforce at the same instant. Mm-hmm. What if they're really comfortable with the ProsperWorks and? Uh, uh, and the everyone is pretty much used to prosper works mm-hmm. and all that. I don't think they would just move away from prosper prosper works that easily unless the prosper work is not doing really well and not keeping up the pace with the market right now. Mm-hmm. If they're doing so much better, then they would actually you know expand their business and give the prosper works a good scope of mm-hmm. expanding and you know getting into the same level as Salesforce. Mm-hmm. So and I think that is, that is what Salesforce don't want to happen. That's why they're ah, trying to go okay. on their, their so, level so, and take so over. By allowing 
Prosperworks, these base CRMs, these other CRMs to get some of that, you know, small, medium, then mid market, getting to large market. That's that's giving uh, that's their Achilles heel where you could that's where you get into the enterprise space by getting exactly. in with a medium sized company that's growing quickly and mm-hmm. they want to stick with what they like and they're used to using Prosperworks. So, so, mm-hmm. so Salesforce is seeing that. It long term, maybe like this, we we all know this is not going to happen over the course of one two years. But you know, five ten years, will Salesforce mm-hmm. still be at the top? Well, maybe not if they allow someone to come into the medium large size space and start taking over the enterprise. So that's a really interesting point. So, so uh, I guess it, there's two two ways to look at it. There's maintaining the position, and then mm-hmm. there is actually growth. And it sounds like Salesforce is almost in this this sales or this cycle of their business where they may not be in growth growth mode anymore. Mm-hmm. They're doing a lot of acquisitions. They just uh, acquired a company recently, I think a few weeks ago or a couple of months ago. And so, so I guess what is the goal there? Because when you, when you have your public company and you have investors and shareholders, it's about growth at that point. They don't care about them keeping the position that they're in. So they need to be growing in some regard. So I guess I'm just curious like where they would be growing if, if they're looking to then just like, I just want to maintain my position and keep what we have. Because like being a public company, you can't just have that as your mindset. You have shareholders mm-hmm. that are like, no, that's not how this world works. Uh, I, um. So uh, talking about the Salesforce growth here, uh, I think uh, Salesforce is doing a good job acquiring the small companies, like you said. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, let's say like uh, I'm using Salesforce uh, right now, and uh, let's let's just uh, imagine that Salesforce doesn't have the Heroku, okay? Because mm-hmm. uh, they currently have Heroku, which would let you like program in you know multiple uh, yep. cross-platform languages and all that. So let's say if it doesn't, I mean. In, if, if that's the case, then I would actually move out from Salesforce, right? Mm. So, and Salesforce don't really want that to happen because right now, if you see any kind of like e-commerce solutions out there, I mean, most of them, the, the better ones, you can actually integrate any of them with Salesforce. Mm-hmm. Like the box oh, yeah. you said, you can actually integrate with the Salesforce, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, I think the uh, Salesforce is doing pretty good job at this this part, and you know, making their stance here, like maintaining their position here. In this way, they they wouldn't actually lose not even a single customer out of their hands. Because mm-hmm. if you're looking at a, a different sort of an e-commerce solutions, Salesforce already got them. Even if you mm-hmm. buy that, you can actually integrate into the Salesforce. Mm-hmm. You don't have to actually have to move out of Salesforce and get something that you can actually integrate it with, right? Mm-hmm. So I feel, I mean, uh, even the Microsoft Azure or uh, there are uh, like Outlook, you can actually integrate the Outlook too, which actually belongs to Microsoft. Mm-hmm. It doesn't stop Salesforce from letting you integrate it into the uh, Salesforce, right? Like yeah, the, uh, and 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 G and Google is not going to want to stop that either. Like Google, Google is backing Prosperworks as their CRM of choice, but inside of Google, we all know that they're using Salesforce. They're using Prosperworks in some divisions, but like Salesforce is one of the only solutions that a company as large as Google can use. So they're never going to be like Salesforce. We're not going to let you integrate with G Suite. Like no, no, we want to and we want to be able to let our G Suite customers integrate with Salesforce because it's a win-win. Like you can't take a massive company like Salesforce and, and say, screw you, we don't want to deal with you. Same thing with Microsoft. Yes, they have a competing platform in a way, but it's like at the end of the day, if all of your enterprise customers are using Salesforce, you're not going to be like, no, 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 you only get the integration if you're using Dynamics because that's a way that you piss off your clients, you know? Exactly, exactly. That, that, that's what like uh, this is where the uh, you know like the Salesforce does its job really well. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it tries to you know keep it, keep their customers happy, mm-hmm. but uh, providing them all sorts of solutions that they actually want to. Like uh, like I uh, told you before, like uh, 
you can actually integrate with uh, with any sort of an e-commerce solution. It's not like, oh, I can't do this on Salesforce. They actually gave you the options of, you know, you can actually go with the standard one or go with the third party external solution and uh, integrate it into the, your Salesforce uh, mm -hmm. platform that you're using. Uh, so that's where it, it won't easily let their customers go away. And for every release, they're coming up with something new and better, mm -hmm. like, uh, like we're talking about the automation process. Uh, now the Salesforce came up with the Salesforce DX. It's mm -hmm. it, I feel DX is pretty awesome. Like uh, when you're integrating it for for the continuous integration and the uh, continuous development, it's pretty good. The the Salesforce DX is pretty good. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, you know, like a lot of customers who are actually starting to use the automation right now, would actually won't even look at the DevOps uh, if they're started using the Salesforce DX. So okay. so so you know, what is Salesforce DX? What 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 is the premise behind it? I mean, Salesforce, it helps you for the continuous integration. Just okay. like how, I mean, currently, you know, a lot of organizations out there, they're using the GitHub right now for, uh, uh, you know, like Git branching yep. for the CI, mm -hmm. uh, for the continuous integration right yep. now for the DX, but you can actually do it with the standard Salesforce tool, which is as a CDX is owned by Salesforce itself. Uh, so okay. it's not actually letting their customers actually go out there and look for like a I mean, you don't have to go with the struggle of, you know, like uh, doing the, uh, you know, like making up a grid, grid branching strategy and, you know, integrating DevOps into that, uh, you know, make up your own release planning and all that mm -hmm. with the DX, which is actually off the Salesforce. But it, I mean, it would actually cost you a different price for you for using that, but it's probably the same amount that you're going to be spending on the development of a Git, uh, for Git and the DevOps. Mm -hmm. So they're actually not letting their uh, customers out of their side and go out looking for something else. What if the the uh, the customer actually finds a much better way of doing it in a, some some other CRM, mm. which actually provides all that in much cheaper way? Mm. So they are actually providing all this in the Salesforce itself. Like the DX is a much better one. Like I, I feel it's pretty good okay. for the uh, customers who are already using the Salesforce. So, so Salesforce has gotten so large, and there's so many things that you can do within it. And so to better understand, so you're you're not working for Salesforce. You're working for a company that. Actually, it, that that consults for Salesforce, right? Yeah, so, like, yes. so do you know if Salesforce even internally offers these services, or do they partner with the companies like the Blue Wolves of the world, these 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 Salesforce consulting companies, like essentially companies like mine and yours? Like, is is that something that they they heavily rely on, or do they actually have teams internally that do Salesforce consulting? Ah, oh, that's a pretty pretty interesting question, though. Uh, like, let's say uh, you're a new company, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, you've been using some other uh, uh, CRM till now. And you wanna move on to Salesforce, migrate to Salesforce. Okay, mm -hmm. so in such cases, Salesforce actually gives you a full, full-on support to move, migrate your uh, application into the Salesforce. Oh, really? But later on, when you're expanding, and Salesforce, for the price you're paying, uh, Salesforce always gives you the support, though. Okay. They, they always have one of their uh, people online with you, helping you uh, in the architecture part and all that, in the designing the whole application. Okay. But when it comes to the expanding it. And developing the way you want, uh, I mean, Salesforce does help you with that too. But it, it's going to be a much expensive way. It's it's going to be really mm -hmm. expensive to actually let Salesforce do the whole work in your organization. Okay. Because, uh, the the uh, the, uh, the uh, CRM itself is expensive, and uh, taking the developers or I mean, making the uh, the Salesforce itself to develop your application would be a lot of a lot expensive. So that's why com what companies usually do is like they just buy the uh, the type of edition they want, and they hire the Salesforce developer externally to develop that. And at the same point, they would still have the same support 
from the Salesforce. So just in case, you know, they come across something like dur mm -hmm. during the architecture part or during the you know limits, as, during the Salesforce limits, if they can, if it's actually possible in Salesforce or not. So, so why doesn't Salesforce, the company, start acquiring some of these consulting companies like yours? Um, to, to start doing it internally because I think you and I both know that someone will be willing to pay so, a slight premium, maybe even like a 20% premium hiring mm -hmm. Salesforce directly versus, oh, you know, we're a Salesforce partner and we'll help you integrate. Mm -hmm. But that would open up in a whole new branch in Salesforce itself, mm -hmm. right? It, so it's, it's a service-based business now I mean, instead of I think, uh, yeah, uh, I mean, uh, they're capable enough to do that, though. Mm -hmm. uh, I would say that, but it's gonna be a, uh, the whole. Uh, maybe they might do it in the future. We never know. But uh, they actually do. I mean, they still are doing that. Like they actually provide the developers. If you're just my, like I said, if you're just migrating to Salesforce, they actually provide the developers for you mm -hmm. to develop. You know, like uh, to migrate your application. Yep. And, they just and don't want to be maintaining it over time. Like the custom, the, the, the long term. Yeah. Because it's gonna be really expensive. Mm -hmm. the, maybe if they're if they're gonna make their price go down, maybe actually people would actually go for that. Mm -hmm. And for, for the, I mean, what actually, you know, what happens when uh, Salesforce does that? It loses its, uh, you know, like uh, uh, its market value though, because when Salesforce itself is doing all this, uh, the customers won't have any uh, any other way to get a Salesforce developer to expand their application the way they want. Because mm. the, the only way they can look at is Salesforce. So it's not going to be flexible for a customer. Let's say the customer is in uh, uh, like a East, uh, like I'm in the Middle East or like in Japan or somewhere. Mm -hmm. there. Ob obviously, Salesforce is going to have someone there. They're going to have their one of their offices where they can provide support in Japan too. But, uh, but I don't think the Salesforce would actually want to take up uh, you know, take care of the whole development part and keep it to themselves because, you know, it's actually constraining the, you know, like, uh, I mean, uh, you know, like putting some sort of a boundaries to the customer that doesn't matter what you want to do. You always have to look towards me for any sort of help. So mm -hmm. it's it's more like uh, the customer's hands are tied on and uh, the only person that can help in this world is Salesforce itself. Mm -hmm. so, so I don't think Salesforce want to actually do that. Mm -hmm. I, I wonder how large of a market it is, though. So, you know, Salesforce, we obviously have a good idea of how large the CRM market is. You look at the SAPs, the world, and take a small portion of that plus, you know, the market cap of Salesforce and, and potential, you get a rough idea, but I wonder how large the service industry of Salesforce integration, and, and you're kind of more broadly going to business process integration, like I wonder how large of a market that is. I mean, is it larger than Salesforce itself, or is it just a fraction of, of Salesforce? Because like, I wouldn't Salesforce is the biggest biggest part of the whole CRM because CRM itself is like a huge market. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, doesn't matter what sort of an organization you have, you're definitely going to be using a little CRM. It maybe uh, they don't really need to be a cloud applications. All the CRMs need, don't really need to be a cloud of applications. Maybe I might have an organization that only runs in my city. Uh, mm. So I don't really need to get on the cloud or anything. I don't really need to use the Salesforce pay them so much. Uh, maybe I can just use a make a couple of developers develop a Java application for me, and uh, have a, C a CTI integration happen into that. But you, you don't think that that would be kind of taking a step backward? I mean, like at this point, the the cost of being in the cloud and the the che how cheap Google Cloud is and and you know AWS and the and Azure like I mean I'm just giving an example that uh, the sale, uh, the CRM is not just restrained to Salesforce or all these big companies and the small companies okay. that you're seeing. I'm just talking about like uh, let's say like uh, 
maybe all not all the places are you know like uh, are within reach of using uh, these kind of solutions maybe let's say in some places where the currency value is totally different do are uh, those companies won't be won't even be able to afford salesforce kind of applications mm, okay um, so the uh, salesforce kind of services so um, so companies like that maybe they might actually come up with their own you know like a small sort of an application maybe make their developers not develop this kind of small application and because all they have to deal with is the like a five to six hundred customers that are present in their own city mm. they don't really go out of the box to actually take unless they are really expanding maybe they might have a totally different solution than back then mm-hmm. uh, when they're expanding though but I, i'm just uh, giving you an, a picture of the how uh, crm how, how the crm is out there in the world maybe i'm mm-hmm. just giving you a, like a smallest fraction like uh this this could be a part of crm too mm-hmm. like the smallest uh, job application out there and to the C, uh, salesforce mm-hmm. on this okay database. They all come in. Maybe they are. They just make like a 05 percent of the whole CRM market. Mm-hmm. Uh, but those are CRMs too. Mm-hmm. Now it's it's definitely interesting, and I, I guess I wonder a lot. Like right now, the kind of relationship that I have with ProsperWorks, and and they're looking for people like me to be partners and consultants, because that's honestly one of the things that that allows a software company to scale. They're getting venture backing. They're investing into the platform. They don't mm-hmm. want to do the custom integrations, no different than Salesforce. And I wonder like long term what the goal is. Like, is it just going to be another kind of cycle where uh, our company could eventually be like one of the blue wolves for, for Salesforce or a company like yours is to Salesforce? And is that just going to be part of the world? Like any product service is going to have that kind of service-based business on the side of it, and they're never really going to want to be involved in it? Um, or, or, you know, or do they look to eventually acquire, like what is it just the same thing, new software, different? Exactly. Exactly. So this is where, just like what we spoke about, like Salesforce, like you asked me, like why are Salesforce is not providing developers by itself? Mm-hmm. It can actually, you know, like send their, send in their own developers and do the development for the Salesforce platform. And so that uh, the company doesn't really need to hire someone else from uh, externally for the Salesforce development. See, uh, and you can actually ask, uh, you know, you can put in the same question for the ProsperWorks itself. So what these actually, you know, like I, I say that's a really good foresight for a, pro, a company like ProsperWorks because uh, they want their customers to be flexible. Doesn't matter where the customer is. Mm-hmm. They want the customer to be, you know, flexible and able to hire someone who can actually help them in their application. Mm-hmm. They, don't, they don't want them to, you know, like just tie their customers to themselves that, you are going to use uh, ProsperWorks only and you're going to have to only look at us. Just in case, let's say the ProsperWorks was not there. To, let's say they don't have any developers right now to send in. Maybe they have, there's like a queue system where they got to wait. Mm-hmm. Then, and the application is done. That would be like the worst thing to happen. Then the, the customer might actually move out of ProsperWorks by the whole, mm-hmm. by, from the whole ProsperWorks. And they, the ProsperWorks don't want that to happen. Mm-hmm. So that's why they, you know, they want their customer to be, there, to be there and they want their customers to actually be able to figure out the solutions for the issues. And what's so interesting too with it, like if you pay close attention, part of the agreement I have with them in exchange for some margin if we actually sell it is we're giving tier one support. So so what's so intriguing with these software companies is they want other people to take care of the tier one support. Tier one support is the basic, you know, very, very, very basic questions or like resetting passwords, just basic things like that. And mm-hmm. of course, like Prosperworks, the company, they don't want to deal with that at all. Like that, that, that level of support takes up so much time and it's exactly. just such, so unnecessary. And that's where you start exactly. scaling teams because, to other, because, you know. Because Prosperworks, Want, want to do the want to do the core work mm-hmm. they want to be you know expanding the prosper works itself they don't want to deal with the customer issues mm-hmm. that's why you know 
I mean, even in the Salesforce, you, do, you don't really call Salesforce for uh, password reset, uh, resetting and other stuff because you're actually developing the apl application in your own company, mm -hmm. the industry, that the the, uh, the organization that's actually using Salesforce. Mm -hmm. So that's why you have the administrators who actually deals with all these. Mm -hmm. So whenever you are running a uh, Salesforce uh, application in your organization, you would definitely have an administrator, a developer all there, all the time there. So, I mean, unless there's like a really like a large scale issue, then there is always Salesforce to support them mm -hmm. for only the complex issues, though, mm -hmm. because uh, Salesforce want to deal with expanding their application in the from the back end, from the core size, mm -hmm. not on the external way, because the external way is much easier. There are lots of other people who can actually deal with that in a much cheaper way. And the companies also don't want to always, you know, like look to uh, look at Salesforce whenever they got like these kind of silly issues, because even if they look at Salesforce is not going to. No, say no to these kind of issues, but of course it comes at a price. Uh, they're going to charge you so much. Mm -hmm. So neither the organizations, not the, neither the sales force want to do that. Mm -hmm. No, it's, it's really an interesting thing. And I guess it, at the end of the day, you take a step back and you really piece together a, a product company versus a service company. And, you know, product company is definitely the way to go. And you're seeing this, you know, reinvigoration of, of of SaaS, essentially software as a service. And it's like, well, where does the service come into play? Because, well, they're creating software and they're trying to make it so user-friendly um, that they don't even need partners. But the thing is that now makes them kind of a service business. So SaaS really is software, but you're still giving some level of service. And it sounds like that these SaaS companies are looking to outsource some of this service tier to their partners so they can be more like a product company and it's just an interesting thing to see because I think mm -hmm. like Salesforce, yes, a lot of the time you have the internal IT departments of a large enterprise company managing that install. You have full-time employees managing Salesforce. But then when you have mm -hmm. a smaller company trying to implement a CRM, then you don't really have that. Oftentimes you don't have anyone that's even helping them with it, but they're trying to sell like, no, you should implement, you know, HubSpot because it's so user friendly and easy to use. You don't need anyone, but then they don't configure it properly and they don't support you to set it up properly because they don't really necessarily even care. It's just a very weird thing. Um, I guess the small medium sized business, but it's really the only way to get in because they don't want to spend the, the money it would take to do it properly. Like if you're yeah. implementing a new CRM, are you going to want to spend 10, 20, 30 grand to implement it if you're a small business? Like you can't even afford that. So it's it's just an interesting thing to see, I guess, the growth of SaaS and, and how that's affecting things. Um, and then we kind of go back to just being a, a software business. And um, how, was Salesforce, Salesforce wasn't always a SaaS company, right? Like it, you must have bought a license back in the day before they switched over to the, the monthly recurring model, right? Exactly, exactly. They weren't always, but always that. But now they're like a top in like a, I think they're like a top one in the the whole SaaS business right now. Mm. Yeah, they weren't always that uh, always that in the past. Okay, so so for for you, what are you planning on doing? I guess long term, it sounds like that you're going to be sticking with Salesforce, which also probably means you're going to be in that enterprise space. You, do you enjoy solving the enterprise problems? Um, you know, large enterprise business problems, or do you, do you like maybe the idea of going to a smaller type of company and see if you can help them? Cause you can, like, what are you thinking long-term? I, mean, I feel, uh, I mean, uh, this would, this, I mean, uh, this would keep me happier in a safe zone right now. But if I want to like a potential growth in future into my career, mm -hmm. I feel that, uh, going for something that's growing right now would be a much better way. Like uh, let's say like a prosper works, which mm -hmm. is going up. If I had a really good opportunity, I, I would uh, I wouldn't really mind going for 
Prosper works, but I would do my part of research if uh, to see how the Prosper works is keeping up the pace in the market. Like, I mean, I would just do my research if they're going to actually survive in the market in the long term scope. Mm-hmm. Or not. So that's it. So you can actually get a name for yourself. Like Prosperworks would give a shit about you, essentially. Whereas Salesforce, we have more than enough of you, you know, that we, we won't really care about you. Is that kind of the mindset where you can actually be seen and there's growth? Exactly. And, okay. That's true. That's, that, that's how it is right now. Like, I mean, uh, Salesforce is going to be Salesforce. I mean, maybe unless in like a, like maybe like a 10, 20 years into the future, mm-hmm. they might have a really good, strong competition, like a much cheaper CRM out there, mm-hmm. giving a pretty good competition to Salesforce. Because at the end of the day, these are all like multiple tools. CRMs are, these are all tools. I mean, uh, they could get obsolete. Let's say there's like a yeah. huge bug up and automatically one bad issue and all the people would back off immediately mm-hmm. so any this kind of sort of thing would happen i mean god forbid nothing like that happen but mm-hmm. in the future uh, anything could happen you can never really know maybe they might become the like biggest crm ever in the world too mm-hmm. either way but uh for my personal growth in my professional i mean like in my professional career way i mean uh i would actually go for something that's growing right now because I know because I might have my own personal professional growth too. I might actually look at myself in a much better position mm-hmm. if the company is growing along with me because I've been there and been there with the company during its growth. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if it's a Salesforce, I'm going to be a developer. Maybe if I'm doing the certifications with my experience, I might be like an architect or whoever in mm-hmm. the future. Yep. But uh, I don't think I would get into the same position as I, uh, uh, that I would get in like a smaller company that's going to be, growing into something bigger in future because mm-hmm. because i know a lot of people who been there uh for smaller startups let's, let's say snap uh, snapchat mm-hmm. i know people have been snapchat started there are like a 30 people working on it and i know the people those 30 people are like a really good position right now mm-hmm. because they've always been it's just not just like they didn't just bail out on say uh, snapchat and move into sales uh facebook which mm-hmm. is pretty, pretty which is bigger than Snapchat in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they, now, they took the risk, right? The the you know there's there's you maybe make less money up front because you're getting involved with more of a startup or a smaller company. But being an mm-hmm. early adopter and being early there, you could stand mm-hmm. out and you could maybe make a fortune from that or or really find a, a good place from that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not. I mean, uh, making good money and making good fortune is a good good part too, but. Ultimately, you'll have a position there, right? I mean, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, I'm someone of a, uh, uh, someone who would actually go for the reputation mm-hmm. rather than the, you know, the the, the, paycheck. the money. Yeah, for sure. You have yeah. to be driven. Yeah, exactly. So I feel that it's, I mean, uh, it's a really good thing if you're sticking with something that's growing really good, well into the future, mm-hmm. and if you're just being loyal and faithful to that company and its growth, mm-hmm. uh, I think that would get you into a really good position in the future if the company ever grows into really huge are a huge mm-hmm. uh, you know like a sass into the future so so my my the way that i think about a lot of this because i'm partnered with multiple companies um mm-hmm. you know prosworks uh, g suite you know google for for the g suite side of things help mm-hmm. scout and a bunch of other they're, they're smaller companies but mm-hmm. my mindset is every company mm-hmm. that i partner with and i and i try to sell to these small medium businesses i mm-hmm. would 100% be okay with working for them and mm-hmm. that is my decision of, of choosing them as kind of one of my partners. So it's like, you know, if, if all everything just fell apart for me, I would be mm-hmm. more than happy working for mm-hmm. ProsperWorks, working for Help Scout, working for, you know, Google, working for any of these these companies that I recommend, Panadoc. And I feel mm-hmm. like that's the mindset that I kind of have. And um, 
that it's it's like at the end of the day, I kind of get to work for them. It's this weird thing where I, I in a way, I am working for them. It's just mm-hmm. externally. And, and so I get to kind of work for, for all of my favorite companies at once. So it's kind of a fun thing along the way. Um, yeah, I mean, like, uh, you're more like a one guy blue wolf, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's how, how I would put it. Because you're just kind of, you're a consulting person for the Prosper Works and you got multiple clients under you mm-hmm. working for them and helping them. I mean, maybe if the Prosper Works really grows into a much bigger company and you might one day probably need to hire a lot of people to do the consulting stuff because you won't be able to take care of it all by yourself. Mm-hmm. So maybe you might actually, you know, have a scope of turning into one like a blue roof kind of consulting firm mm-hmm. by yourself. And yeah, and pretty good. Yep. Yeah, and, and you know it's definitely tough to scale that. Um, I'm, I'm right now I'm going through that. I'm you know hiring a couple of people and trying to figure out how to scale the consulting mm-hmm. side, and it is really difficult because um, mm-hmm. just working with like as you know how closely you've worked with Salesforce, you know where wherever there are difficulties or limitations or you know you know all these weird things about the API that the average person probably does not know unless they unless they dealt with it as much as you have. So how mm-hmm. do you go in and 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 teach someone else that? That either, you know, either for me to hire someone, I either need to probably pay someone a hundred grand a year or mm-hmm. I need to, you know, train someone from the ground up. And that would be a massive investment, you know, time wise. That, that's, that's a pretty expensive investment because uh, because I've seen people actually working for the clients that's uh, that are actually using Salesforce right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know how I mean, sales, there's something called Salesforce University where you can actually learn stuff okay, on Salesforce. Okay. And also Salesforce provides you a lot of trial heads where you can just learn from the scratch, learn the whole Salesforce, Salesforce from the scratch, but you gotta be putting a lot of, invest a lot of time mm. into that. Uh, but to make it more, you know, to get to the complex part and to solve the complex, you know, the uh, situations, you definitely need to do like some sort of a certi- uh, certifications and practice. And for that, you've also got the Salesforce univers- University, which is pretty expensive, pretty expensive. Mm. I mean, like, I mean, uh, like a b- large scale industries, they actually send their own uh, full time employees for that training. That's what but I was. I, I was going to ask you that. So the the company that you do work for and uh, that you're doing work for, like, do they have any internal employees that they're training just to be managing this? Because would it be cheaper at a certain point if you're that large well, of a company? They do, they do that too. A lot of a lot of companies. I, I've, I've been seeing it a lot right now because uh, I, I've seen this company send like five of their employees. Uh, because mm. they moved on to the Salesforce, uh, migrated into Salesforce. So they want their employees to know about Salesforce. So they send out their employees and they literally pay like $10,000 a week uh, oh, wow. to you know, get them learn the lessons for the five people, mm. for the five guys. And they still have to work a lot to actually get better at what they actually learn. And I also seen these companies where they actually get one person, one good person who actually knows really well about the Salesforce and make that guy teach a bunch of other guys, the whole Salesforce thing, mm. uh, which is a lot, uh, you know, like uh, cost effective. Yeah, but oh, for I, sure. I feel that because uh, and and they always pick uh, the the people who can actually you know get easily adapted and easily fast learners. Because uh, I mean, uh, in the Lightning, most of the stuff that you work on is like a JavaScript. Okay, so mm. in the light, uh, because in the Salesforce Lightning, pretty much a lot of companies are migrating to Salesforce Lightning now. Okay. And uh, in the Lightning bundle, uh, I mean, we use the Aura framework for the UI, and uh, and all, and all for the backend functionality. 
it's all JavaScript. So uh, I think that my company would actually pick some guy who is actually really good in JavaScript and start teaching ah, them. Interesting. Easily pick up the pace, right? Mm. Really, really get the whole thing uh, and, uh, you know, get under, uh, you know, get a much better understanding about how the Salesforce works, mm-hmm. especially if the, uh, if the application is running in the Lightning uh, interface. Okay, so, so so a programmer probably already has that problem-solving mindset and, you know, mm-hmm. you kind of need to have that to be a programmer. So it, at that point, it's just a matter of teaching them what is CRM and what is business process. That's probably exactly. easier than, than you know, the reverse order. Yeah, you just need the right person to pick up the pace. Uh, mm-hmm. That's it. And uh, like you said, uh, I'm not really sure how the Prosper work, uh, Prosper works work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I don't know if they provide any sort of a lessons and uh, like any, you know, like a they're starting issue. to try to develop some things. It's it's very early stages at the moment, but I think it's 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 funny where if you look at what they're doing, there's probably a very set process that you go through. They're trying. Oh. They they were very small market, and now they're moving to. Mm-hmm. They they say that their their target customer base is a company less than two thousand employees of which maybe three or four hundred are actually mm-hmm. using the CRM. So I was, I was actually curious about this part. Uh, so uh, so uh, when you develop uh, something on ProsperWorks, mm-hmm. so uh, do you use like a special, uh, specific programming language? Is it like a configuration or customization? What so, exactly... So is- there's a little bit of, of configuration that goes on within uh, the CRM, mm-hmm. but... For the most part, so you know, develop multiple pipelines and you modify the stages or custom fields, um, and 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 you get creative where it's like, okay, so I want it to be that when I move this opportunity to this stage, if mm-hmm. this custom field equals this or is checkboxed or selected, I want it to trigger you know the creation of a QuickBooks invoice and all these other things to happen. So sometimes mm-hmm. you get you 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 do modify Prosperworks by utilizing custom fields and things like that and stages and and, and things uh, of mm-hmm. that nature. But it's normally external. So you're going to have your own kind of platform where you're going to be making these API calls. So there mm-hmm. there there's an internal very basic you know change change a stage and that will trigger the creation of like a task that's built internal but it's very limited to the point where i don't use that whatsoever it's just incredibly limited is this like the most complex part of the development in the prosper works so the most complex part is um so so a lot of companies that are using ProsperWorks. So this is what something I wanted to ask you because a lot of my my clients are using many many pieces of SaaS. So they're using, you know, Pandadoc for document management. They're using Harvest and QuickBooks online for for invoicing. Um, they're they're using this whole list of SaaS services, Asana for project management. So then it mm-hmm. comes down to I want my CRM to integrate with my project management tool, my finance mm-hmm. tool and all these things like that. So really it becomes an integration thing at that point. There's some business process, but for you you could do a lot of that inside of Salesforce, right? Yep, that's true. That's totally true. So it's a different kind of difficulty. It's really an API difficulty. My biggest problems are when Asana's API is limited in some way, and I get frustrated by it. Exactly. That's totally true. Like I totally feel you. What what exactly you told me Mm. right now? Because uh, I'm I'm not really sure sure about the limitations of the ProsperWorks or whatever the uh, third party you know like tools that that they are using that you have to integrate into the Mm ProsperWorks. uh, I don't know about the, those limitations, but Salesforce do have limitations. But within the limitations, it performs really well, though. Mm-hmm. It performs really. You could really figure out workarounds, right? Like I, I think any any problem, you could figure out a workaround. The question then comes down to: Can the end user 
that that maybe you know employee one of three thousand will they understand the process to take you know the smaller the company you can put these procedures in place that you know when this happens you need to do this this and this and you could train them but that's where it gets that user experience thing so that's where I think Salesforce installs sometimes get massive and confusing because there's so many edge cases and workarounds and it's not very well documented or trainable and I think that's the difficulty but you're always going to be facing that regardless you know running seven different SaaS solutions for each mm-hmm. each tool like that's overwhelming in and of itself as well you know when should I be using Asana when should I be using Prosperous when should I be using you know this tool that tool and, and that's that's another problem of its own yep yep I totally understand that yeah that's true though but uh, I was just wondering like uh, uh, the Prosperworks is there any way you can store data on Prosperworks or the, 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 usually the, I mean how, how is it usually does the client usually have their data stored on a third-party server and get it called into the Prosperworks or do they actually, is there a way you can actually store data in Prosperworks itself? So it depends what data you're referring to. That's where you could pull in, you know, custom fields here, here and there to store certain data. So for example, what I'll do uh, to maybe connect an opportunity in Prosperworks with an email marketing campaign, I may store the twofold. I may store the email marketing campaign ID within mm-hmm. that Prosperworks opportunity. So now you kind of have this, this you know, database connection at that point. You have a customs field that's just storing this ID mm-hmm. and vice versa. So now they're kind of connected and they're linked. Sometimes you do that. Other times I'll use something like Airtable, which is another SaaS service where you can do a lookup. So, you know, we're doing an API call and first we need to do a lookup to the database, which is kind of like a middle, middle ground database Airtable just to maybe find a reference of something or give some type of output like, hey, it, it, this, the, these custom fields criteria here, here, and here, which means it needs to go into this marketing campaign, which has this ID. And now we push mm-hmm. this ID to the other piece of software. Well, so triggers, triggers, yeah. yeah. So most things I, I try to store on Prosperworks when possible, but mm-hmm. some things you, you can, and that's where I'll use. So f- for example, something that I do is mm-hmm. um, I have an Airtable for my own company. And I have okay. every single one of my clients listed in there. So it has their email domain and it has their, their company name and then a few different custom fields. So their their Asana project ID, um, you know, their reply campaign ID, all these different IDs and other software. So for me, when I when I want to manipulate data from Prosperworks, I simply do I can do an API call to Airtable to find the client based on maybe email domain. That's something that's not gonna be changing. So let's do a check. You know, someone sends in a support ticket. I'll strip everything after the at symbol. Now I have their domain. And now I could do a lookup in a son or an Airtable for this company. And now I could find all the other data that I need. Do I need their Asana project ID or do I need, you know, their harvest ID or their QuickBooks Online ID? So I have now this central storage space of my customer data in kind of a middle ground solution. I could throw all that in Prosperworks and have a ton of custom fields storing that data, but that doesn't necessarily make as much sense in that scenario. So that's where it's a little bit difficult. Sometimes Prosperworks, other times something like Airtable, I, I've relied on pretty heavily. So, so do you think the Prosperworks is actually doing something for this, like, about this? Like, uh, are they coming up with any better solutions like in their next release or any updates? Uh, like, do they? Act- how often do they actually come up with like new patches and new releases? So they they do a biweekly release schedule. So every two weeks they'll do kind of a a, a major ish release. They've been pretty good about it. Um, right now, what's interesting is the 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 difficulties they've been dealing with is they have 
people, companies, opportunities, leads, and projects, and, and you know, tasks and things like that. The, the very separate silos, and you can have a company as the parent. Inside of company, you can have many people, and inside of uh, people, you can have a bunch of opportunities, and companies can have opportunities as well. So the question is, though, like, what if you have two opportunities and you want them related to one another? Or maybe you have, you know, Betsy, who's a person, and Tim, who's another person. Betsy referred Tim. How do we now tie Betsy and Tim together? As, as a related kind of entity. So now they're working on this link field because this was a limitation that I'm, I'm sure I'm actually super curious. Like what has Salesforce done to do this? Because right now, like I can't have an opportunity that and, and really mark down well who referred this opportunity to us. But this is something that they're working on right now. Some very core things. But I think like once you have this database built and you have these silos, you have people siloed, you have companies siloed and they can reference each other, they need to add another connection point of being able to just jump into a person and connect that person now to an opportunity or three opportunities or, or an opportunity to do an opportunity or whatever you want to do. They're working mm-hmm. on that massive problem right now and they have a lot of Salesforce engineers actually that they've mm-hmm. hired coming in and like, here's what we did at Salesforce and, and here's how we should structure the databases and here's how we should be fixing this. Yeah, it's something, it's, it's, because uh, it's something that deals with the metadata, the Salesforce mm-hmm. backend data, the, about the whole, I, it's not about something you do develop on the Salesforce, it's actually something that happens behind the Salesforce, which oh. is actually the data thing. So it depends upon how they design the architecture about how the, the data is being stored behind the Salesforce. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, like usually uh, Salesforce provides, provides you the standard, t- you know, like objects, we call them the objects like a cases or accounts or all these are like the standard objects. And you can actually run all these uh, opportunities and leads through these standard objects itself. And uh, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure like it, it, it's the way the, the, the it's the architecture, the Salesforce mm-hmm. architecture itself. That's how they designed it. I, you know, like uh, because pretty much all of this is actually stored in the Salesforce itself. All these leads and opportunities, uh, like yeah. unless you have like a really, uh, I mean, uh, uh, a large scale organizations where they want their whole data to be much in, in a much secure space unless they want want that to happen uh, besides that if they don't want that it's it's a lot easier using the sta- uh, using the configuration where we call it. this is all configuration this can all be done if you're decided to use the standard uh, salesforce features this could all be done in a sta- you know configuration itself don't okay. really have to go for any, any sort of like a custom development or stuff unless like i told you if you don't want your data to be on salesforce if you want it to be somewhere much secure mm-hmm. if you feel the data is sensitive yeah, i think that's the crazy thing that i've seen that like there's there's companies like Intel or you know they have an RMA system to to return a you know I I have a, a monitor and it has a scratch on the screen and I want to return it and get a replacement and like they they will use Salesforce for their entire RMA process and system which is it's really like that's that's not really a CRM at that point that's like an actual business process tracking through it and that's what's super interesting that I think you know. Salesforce is very good at doing a lot of things, whereas Prosperworks, they're, they're really trying to focus on being the best CRM, really, really the CRM spot. They're not trying to, at the moment, be that, you know, you can use us as your RMA process. I'm sure I could figure out a way to do it if, if a client really wanted to do that. This part, the, the, pros, uh, the, uh, the RMA part, you know, it, just in case if you want to know the status yeah. of the thing, Ultimately, you're gonna have to call some customers, uh, customer service representative, right? You're mm-hmm. gonna call the call center like a helpline. Yeah. Know about the status. So this process, what the the reason why they would actually keep it on Salesforce is, 
you know, the, the customer service representative would have a much better, uh, you know, idea for what's the process and status. He would Because using the Salesforce would actually make his life easier to get, you know, pull out all the information that requires, that uh, that, that you want to hear from him. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of companies are actually opting for Salesforce, you know, like uh, in in for the cases like these. Because, uh, you know, the, pretty much everything can be rerouted. Mm-hmm. Uh, inside the Salesforce, if you are using the Salesforce in your the whole organization, all any sort of a different information can be rerouted to the uh, to the required personnel mm-hmm. whoever needs it. So that's where uh, you know Salesforce does its yeah, abs- absolutely. And it's interesting. And I don't I don't totally know the direction that Prosperx is trying to go in regard to do we want to have this separate area where you can kind of store data and be this like additional kind of database um, in addition to just the basic, you know, people, company records, these different entities that we're storing. I do know though that they just hired an employee from Salesforce. Uh, He was working at Salesforce for 10 years. He was a little bit fed up that like all they were doing at that point is selling three, 400 seat deals and they stopped, they were no longer working on really these, these interesting problems that these smaller companies were facing and said they were just like building a very strange unique feature for like a very 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 edge case type of enterprise client and he was just so bored with it so what he's actually coming in and doing is he's overhauling the API which is great because a the API has three there's three APIs there's an internal API there's a development API that I can utilize and then they have a Zapier API three totally separate APIs and the ridiculous part is I have actually tried using Zapier and gotten these error messages and then when I jump into Postman for for using the developer API and test it, there's no error message. And I'm like, what is going on? Like the, the API is broken, but why is it not broken when I actually use it through Postman? And then I found mm-hmm. out that they use multiple APIs. So one of the massive projects that they're doing right now, within the next two quarters, they're going to be using one API for internal Zapier and for development. So that's kind of massive overhaul. So now mm-hmm. they're going to be they're going to be eating their own dog food, right? They're going to be using the same API that their developers are, you know, like people like me, which is important and that that gives me a lot more flexibility as well. So that's one. And then two, they're trying to build out a system internal where you can build apps on top of Prosperworks. And I know that for certain is something that that they're thinking about and trying to work on. So at that point, I would I would agree with you. I think they would be building in a way to store data because if if I could build a web app on top of ProsperWorks, the data needs to be stored somewhere. It's probably going to be stored on their servers and their platform, and that's where they can be more, you know. Salesforce got something similar to this. Like, they got this uh, place called App Exchange, mm, so where okay. you can actually, you know, try to look for the uh, applications uh, rather than if you don't want to actually develop the application by yourself on their platform, you can actually go inside the App Exchange and look for the free apps or some apps got pricing and some apps are just there for free. Like any mm-hmm. developer can just make them and put it on there and you can actually get it from the app exchange. I think uh, Prosper Works is trying to do something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, keep some applications right there already. Like let's say there's a table which you want to filter. Mm-hmm. And uh, rather than developing the whole filter criteria based functionality, you can actually grab that application from there mm-hmm. and, you know, like integrate into the table that you built. And, so, and, and as a partner, someone like me, like that's interesting because why shouldn't I be able to build out a process that I've built for maybe a customer and, and, and turn it into like a web app and I could turn it into kind of like this modular piece. Now I could kind of sell it, right? And, and versus like 
having this like backend that I'm just maintaining with a bunch of API requests and calls and things like that, which I can duplicate, like why not have that as just this this piece, this entity, this this you know app on top of Prosperworks and maintain and sell that? It allows me to really maybe focus on a market and build kind of build SaaS, like build a SaaS product on top of and using their platform, and it's very sticky. Yep, Salesforce actually Salesforce lets you do that. Mm. Salesforce lets you do that, which is super interesting. Yeah, because I I don't know like what's in the Prosperworks mind if they actually want to open up like a you know like a market where they can actually you know let people develop the applications mm-hmm. and put it on there and or sell their own applications for the people already been using the Prosperworks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't. I mean, uh, maybe it might be a little struggle for Prosperworks to open up such kind of new uh, field inside their CRM. What do you think that the turn the trade-offs would be for that? Like that, that I don't know if they would open it up uh, like that, but at the very least they would allow a, a, a custom person like you or me to go in and maybe integrate Prosperworks deeply with an old system because you could build on top of it. Like I know they're trying to do that. I don't know if they're trying to turn a community into that. What do you think the trade-offs are building that community? What you said that they would struggle. What, what do you think they would struggle with? I mean, um, the first would be the infrastructure part, I guess. Like, a, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know that the architecture of the Prosperworks, how it's been designed mm-hmm. in the backend. So maybe they might have to, you know, like a, a come up with a much, I mean, a, a new huge release where they would actually, you know, open up this uh, special spot for, you know, this uh, uh, for this app market where mm-hmm. people can actually develop their own apps. And they have, also have to make sure to, you know, like provide all the required tools for development of this uh, you know, new application, this SaaS application, mm-hmm. whatever we are going to develop and put it on their platform. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's something, it, it's like a lot of, uh, you know, like backend development work for the Prosperworks. Mm-hmm. So they they might, you know, like uh, they might be, you know, need to look in, uh, look in, I mean, they might actually have to do a lot of groundwork mm-hmm. for us to do our work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Before we actually start doing all that. Like Salesforce actually provides you all the way pretty much with all the resources that you can mm-hmm. utilize to develop such kind of application on, on their platform and put it up in their market. So, but that's what I think Prosperworks should do. Maybe they should like, you know, like provide you all the resources mm-hmm. to actually do that. Yeah, I, I feel like I could build a pretty sustainable business on top of Prosperworks by building some some SaaS. Um, some apps and, and and really maintain those and scale them to, to clients versus me building my own infrastructure versus me building my own, you know, SaaS mm-hmm. and, and turning into that. So I think that would be interesting for me. I'm hoping they go that way. I, I don't know if I would necessarily want it to be a market. I'm fine with if it if it just being like me being able to go in there and access it and implement it for a client and, and kind of goes through me. I'd be fine with that as well. I, I you know, it, it is tough deciding the, the market space, like going into an actual shared market, that is definitely a difficult area to get into for the reasons that you mentioned. So what is that you use for development in the uh, Prosperworks, especially if you're out to develop, like, let's say you're, uh, I mean, besides the API, if you're how to make like a uh, custom application in the, uh, in the Prosperworks, like what would be the preferable programming language that you would use? So that's where it's interesting. When I, when I am uh, manipulating data, I'm just doing it in JavaScript, for example. But um, that's where the funny part with this is like, I'm you're not really building a custom solution in many different regards. Well, here's an example. Um, a, a client of ours in California, he has this loan exchange platform where banks can buy and sell you know, mortgages with other banks. And it was a very old system built in you know, an old PHP language. And it looked like it was like a 10-year-old platform. 
and mm-hmm. he loved Prosperworks. He loved it so much. And he contacted Prosperworks and he said, I love your platform, but can can we integrate my web app with Prosperworks? Mm-hmm. And and they connected me, my company, with him. So mm-hmm. we said, we can't do it with your existing web app because you don't have any APIs or any functionality. What we can mm-hmm. do is we can rebuild your web app. So that's what we did. We rebuilt his web app and built APIs in it. So, so that's where it's interesting. Like there is a web app and we have it tied directly into Prosperworks. So you move them, you know, someone registers for the site, they're created as a lead within Prosperworks. Works, and then they list something. They list a loan, a note on the site. They get converted and it creates an opportunity, and it, it puts them in, in, in you know, uh, a stage within the pipeline. It moves them through. So now we have two databases. We have the Prosperworks database that's doing a lot of the heavy lifting. That's doing a lot of the the storing of data and reporting. Uh, but then we also have our own database for this this company and we're just tying the them together like the opportunity has an id and we tie it to the the loan id in the web app so you do think one thing in the web app it mirrors over to prosperworks and vice versa so there's one example where you have to full out just build a web app and you store it and you're you're doing it that way mm-hmm. that's true that's true yep uh, uh i mean uh, the the uh, the sort of a resource that uh, prosperworks been providing you is pretty pretty good like uh, the way they are actually redirecting the customers that they are getting for consultations towards you i mean mm-hmm. uh, actually you know uh, they're being pretty you know like a customer friendly there they're actually providing helping the customers find the resources to you know like in uh, developing their application yeah uh, at the end of the day like their their benefit is to have someone like like this company here that in, in California that I built this deep integration with, he's probably never going to get off Prosperworks, or at least he'll be on the platform for a very long time because it's so deeply integrated into his his core company, his web app. So for Prosperworks, what's the value there? Well, they now have a customer that may, lit, you know, the churn rate is going to be reduced. They're probably going to be a customer for 10 years now. So of course they want to connect these companies with companies like me. And I've built a relationship with them over the, the past two and a half years now. I've been a partner of theirs for two years and I've been a customer for two and a half years. So I have relationships with many of the people at the company when there were 20 employees and now there's 200 employees and I've just always been involved with the API you know the API leads and talking to them and, and giving feedback here's limitations here's things that we need here's here's things that I wish that we can do and I've been so involved with them and vice versa that I've built that relationship there where now they know like they know Alex knows this stuff with this let's recommend you know this customer to him because we want to close this customer by the end of the month but they need a custom integration and Prosperworks might not be the right fit unless someone like Alex can help them so they mm-hmm. they they're a hundred it's a, it's a win-win for both sides they they want to connect companies with me that, yeah that, that sounds pretty good because based on what i heard till now i feel the uh the web service integration is the complex part here i guess like a, a lot of people are facing issue, like the customers of the prosper works are you know the, the uh the so they actually need a lot, you know, better solutions for the web service integration. And I feel that you're the like really good at this web service integration part. And and from your end, I think you're also actually looking for a much better uh, way to do that from and uh, looking towards the uh, the prosper works. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, based on what I heard from you, like mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of uh, configuration in the only development part, and the struggle would be only with the the APIs, like you told me, like the web services part. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where the, you know, the uh, complex issues come up with, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
and, uh, from um, based on what I heard from you. And and I that's mean, that's where it's so fun to to be so close to their API team because like I I'm getting a sense of really like I understand the Prosperworks API so well and I've been beta testing their their beta versions of it for so long that it's like at the mm -hmm. end of the day, I feel confident saying that I'm in, in you know the entire U.S. I'm probably one of the best companies to come to, specifically mm -hmm. if you want to do a custom integration because I've just been dealing with it in their team so closely, and I feel like there's a value prop where I've been told by many people, go and sell Salesforce, go do this for Salesforce. You'll have larger clients, you'll do more for them, you can solve bigger yeah, problems. That's, true. that's totally true. Like, but but then I mean, it's like I'm just another I'm just another like no one no one at Salesforce gives a shit about me. Like that's what I keep exactly, coming back that's to. That's true. I mean, like you're just just another guy doing the same thing that a mm -hmm. lot of like lots of other people are doing right now mm -hmm. in other companies. I mean, you wouldn't have your own special uh, position out there, like mm -hmm. for ProsperWorks, like like you told me, like if they actually you know get any client from the, the whole states, they would actually redirect them to you because mm -hmm. they know that you're like a, you're you're one really good person who can actually deal with the API integration at ease. Mm -hmm. I mean, but in the sales, I don't really think Salesforce would actually recommend a particular person to do that unless that person really? works with them. Mm, okay. Uh, maybe they would have a list of uh, implementation partners. Yeah, I'm uh, sure like the Blue Wolves of the world, right? Like Blue Wolf, I think they're they're a massive company. Um, yeah, they, they they have like. I mean, I wouldn't call a massive company, but they're because you know what? Like how like uh, how, how long does the project last for you? Like Blue 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 Wolf is like at a, at a really fast play, pace. I mean, uh, they just get done with the uh, with the project like within two to three months. They they just want to get things done pretty fast. Oh. Like, go to go to the Blue Wolf side. With they actually. You know, like mention the time, uh, like a time period they took to complete the one, one, one uh, project, one, uh, one implementation. Mm -hmm. So they they I, just I want to churn through. Do they just want to churn through? Like do a thirty to sixty to one hundred fifty thousand dollar project and do it in in you know a month? Like are they just trying to churn I mean, through uh, that quickly? I mean, if you look at the Bluefield uh, Bluefield pricing. Uh, the pricing is like uh, based on the time period. It's not about the type of implementation. It's based on the time period. If you see, like for thirty days, it's like a uh, thirty grand. Yeah, or thirty grand to say. I think there's a thirty to sixty kind of model that they have. Thirty exactly. grand and sixty grand. So based yeah. on that, you would actually you would you would. Uh, I mean, you can you can know that they are looking at the time base, like the time period when about how fast they can actually complete uh, the project implementation. Uh, so uh, I mean. Uh, that's what they just want to get it done fast. It's not like a hmm. if, if you're doing this uh, the same thing in a, from the uh, from the organization itself. Let's say I own Salesforce and you're you're a full time employee for me, and uh, you have to work on my implementation. You're gonna be here for a really long time. Hmm. Not something that's gonna get done in like in two months or three months. Yep. Yeah. It's but, it's a constant evolution. You you need to reevaluate it every you know quarter exactly. or half. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So if you if you're gonna be you know consulting uh, you know go for a, a blue wolf consultation and they would actually you know evaluate the whole thing and uh, they can tell you what they can actually do it and how fast they uh, they can actually implement the whole thing. It's not like they're gonna be stay there and wait for the clients' uh, requirements, wait uh -huh. for the data like the requirement gathering or all that. It, it, I don't think they would because I mean they would do that. Of course, if you're paying them, yeah. they're gonna mm -hmm. stay there for all the time. Mm -hmm. But I don't think companies want to actually do that. Oh, interesting. Uh, actually taking the, you know, Blue Wolf's consultation. Okay. Because, uh, yeah, like, let's say, like, uh, if I'm going to move from a classic to a uh, lightning uh, experience, like, uh, like a Salesforce classic to lightning, because a lot of companies are actually moving from a classic to lightning right now. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it takes a really long time. Like, uh, let's say a huge organization with, like, uh, 10,000 users, they cannot just do the whole migration in, like, three months. 
because mm. they are not going to push the whole thing at once. They're going to move uh, part by part. Yep. And I don't think Blue Wolf is the right consultation, a uh, consulting partner for them because, uh, I mean, Blue Wolf can do the job for like for part by part, but uh, they want someone, who can, I mean, it, I would suggest that company to hire someone who can stay with them. That's interesting. For the whole oh. process of migration, not for someone who can just going to be stay there for two months and move, move that thing away and just move away from the company. And they can, they're going to have to hire someone else who have no clue what happened in the previous migration. Mm. And, and he's going to have to start from the ground again, from the scratch again to figure out like how the, the previous migration happened and all that. Oh, okay. So I feel, hmm. yeah. I mean, it, there are benefits of having the, uh, I mean, Blue Wolf in, in this kind of scenarios too, because they would actually have a log. I mean, you can go back to Blue, Blue Wolf anytime. It's not like they're going to totally abandon you yeah. after the first migration. They're going to still be there. And maybe after a couple of years, you can go there, uh, go back to them and tell them like, this is what they've done previously. And if they can do it again, maybe in a much better way and all mm-hmm. that. And I'm, it, there are cons and pros for in both the ways, but I would I always say getting someone, a full-time person, like a, a team for yourself and stay there as, you know, like even after the migration, when it goes into production, uh, you obviously need someone who can actually support the whole thing. Mm-hmm. You don't want someone, a totally new guy there to support the whole uh, yeah. product right there. So I guess the part of the thing that I'm trying to do with my company is, uh, really take this automation side of things. And so go into a company, help them understand their business process and, and, and work through with them and how to make it more efficient and then build out the system and then build out automations and integrations and, and have that built on our platform. So all the, the, the automations that happen are going on our platform. We're monitoring it. We're making sure that you know there aren't API errors and various things like that, or an API gets updated, we update it. So we're really trying to almost sell our automation platform as a product, but we really are a service consulting business. But when we do sign on with a client, uh, we're planning on being, you know, a partner of theirs for the next five to 10 years. We're not looking to just do one massive, you know, $30,000 installer, a hundred thousand dollar implementation and just say, okay, we did what we had to do. All right, bye. It's like, no, we actually want you to tell us like, Hey, I want to do this, this, and this, you know, what, what should we do? Do we need to add a bunch of custom fields? Do we need to add a new pipeline? Like, what do we do? We want to be that partner along the way with them and and work through problems with them and, and go on quarterly semi-annual analysis of like, how did things go the past six months? What are we planning on accomplishing the next six months? So a lot of it is actually business consulting tied in with everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, uh, you can, uh, the, the, I mean, I would say when the when the uh, client approaches you for the consultation in the very beginning, mm-hmm. you would obvi- always give them an evaluation about the, I mean, a, an estimation, right? Like mm-hmm. uh, how long the usually the things take and all that. And you should actually figure out the, if the client is actually okay with that. Mm-hmm. I mean, because uh, uh, a lot of company organizations would have a budget limit. If they, I mean, uh, that that uh, that's like a. a, a I mean, we see that in Salesforce too. A lot of companies don't really want to migrate their whole thing into the uh, Lightning at the same time. That's what the, the whole process is that uh, maybe they allocate only a certain part of their budget to do the migration from Classic to Lightning. Mm-hmm. I think your clients would have probably have a, such, uh, some sort of a bu- budget constraint. Mm-hmm. And you, maybe you, if, when you give an evaluation, actually it's up to the client uh, client to actually decide if you want to go have it, go ahead with that or not. I mean, it's actually better to give, give them an estimation too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think pretty much all the consultation firms, they give an estimation. And that's why they hire a lot of, uh, you know, uh, I mean, pretty much whoever the, if, if they're... Uh, 
letting a consultation firm do the implementation in their company, it's got, and anyone coming from a, from the consultation firm to them are going to be there on only on contract. Mm. Uh, so they're given an estimation and the person will be working there for like a year or maybe six months. And once they're done with that, they're done with that. Mm. Okay. And you can, and it's not like it's going away with the person who actually did that because the consultation firm is going to actually have the whole log of what exactly happened there. No, so, it, it, it's interesting. And, and I guess at the end of the day, um, the way that I'm thinking through it at the moment is the implementation, I typically do a little bit lower, um, mm-hmm. but it's really like a, a recurring aspect. So you're, you're paying for ongoing consulting, ongoing maintenance, ongoing automation, and the mm-hmm. value of the more automation we put into place, you get more value because you start seeing time being saved. You don't need to hire another employee because we just used automation to, to solve it. And there is a cost associated with it. We just saved you 50 grand. So this is going to cost you another five grand or 10 grand, you know, and it's mm-hmm. reasonable enough where there's the value exchange there. And I think that's really the goal where I really want to grow with the, the clients that we take on board. So maybe they'll start at $1,000 or $1,200 a month, but from there, they'll end up being $5,000 a month clients, $10,000 a month clients, because they've been able to scale on our platform with us helping support them. Oh, so your consulting firm, so uh, I mean, your consulting uh, consulting base is based on monthly pricing. So you mm-hmm. have like a uh, monthly pricing and not the timely pl- uh, pricing. That's I correct. Mean, yep. I mean, uh, uh, let's say if you, uh, it, let's say that Blue Wolf is actually implementing something, okay? I mean, you know their pricing, how it is like, uh, let's say it's, uh, like you've seen it, like it's 30, 30, 30 grand 60, yeah. for 30 days and 60 grand for 60 days. Yep. And the company wants an after after support, after the after whatever it's been done, uh, the implementation has been done, let's say the company needs a little support from Blue Wolf. So Blue Wolf uh, is going to keep like a couple of people that are like of their team, like uh, two people or three people of their team mm-hmm. at the client location in when it goes to this phase of the cycle it's not going to be a monthly charge though uh based on what i uh, heard and based on my in my knowledge mm-hmm. i think they're going to be charging you on a timely basis from them oh they're just like an hourly hmm. hourly yeah, exactly and that hourly is pretty expensive for the client it's oh for sure it's a lot expensive compared to the monthly packages that they got Oh, it, it totally makes sense. And I guess at, at the end of the day, I'm trying to get away from the idea of trading hours for uh, time, which, so so here's an example. Um, when we take on a client for implementation, for implementation, we typically charge $125 an hour, but if but that's only if they're signing on with us with an annual commitment with monthly and and you know building that relationship with them on that automation platform if a company just came to us and said hey will you do some integration or implementation or automation for us our hourly rate would be more like $500 an hour but we don't even want to do that we don't want to just do a one off implementation and never speak to them again we also we will heavily discount our hourly rate if they become a partner of ours is kind of what we say it is because we want to constantly be involved in their business. And that's where the recurring side comes into play. So, you know, implementation is cheaper for you, but you're now a partner of ours and we both grow together and you get Mm -hmm. consistent value from us being a partner. And that's kind of the way that I see it where they even, they sign a software license agreement with us for our automation platform. So like, yeah, they're buying ProsperWorks and these other things as well, but we have our own software license that we have them sign. And that's part, that's actually a significant part of the recurring uh, revenue side of things. So if we had a client that wanted to just leave us and say, we've got nothing to do with you guys anymore, 
we would have to go to a very, very baseline tier of like, okay, well, do you still want these automations to work? All these integrations we work to build, if you still want them to work, well, we still have to maintain them and support them. And there's a cost associated with that. Um, and that's kind of the way that there's like a stickiness factor um, with us, with our clients, but it's, it's a constant value exchange. I mean, this part, this part of the consultation is more like into the business. I mean, it's more like a commercial business though. I mean, where the client is, when the client gets more dependent on the on on you guys, mm-hmm. I think uh, they got no other option. Like, I mean, no client would actually do that in the end. Maybe there might become some clients who might actually have a budget issues and maybe they might back off and won't let you complete the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, but in this scenario, I don't. I mean, uh, it's actually uh, totally legit to charge so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, the client no got no other option. Uh, because he's actually totally dependent on you. He cannot just back off with the things not in place, or maybe they're already in place and there's no one to actually take care of those Mm -hmm. integrations. And the goal is not to screw them over. The goal is to give them as much value as we can consistently and and keep showing it over time and helping them grow. And at a certain Mm -hmm. point, like I've had clients tell us like, oh, you know, you saved us $20,000 this year and Mm -hmm. we're for that specific client in addition to what they're paying us. So it's like there's actually a cost savings that they have that at the end of the day, we could charge them an extra ten or twenty thousand dollars a year because we're already saving them, say twenty, twenty-five, thirty. But we're not doing that because at a certain point, like we want that that unfair value exchange to be there because that show, like that's why you're you're partnered with us and there's there's the benefit. And if that doesn't exist, then then it shouldn't be, keep going. Like if if you're not value getting benefit and value from our services, you shouldn't keep paying us monthly for it. Like there needs to be that value exchange in order for that to work. Exactly. That, that, that's totally true. So would the client have an opportunity to hire someone, hire someone externally and into his organization as a full-time and who can actually take care of that support? And I mean, does ProsperWorks actually provide that kind of flexibility or um, make or make the client totally depend upon, uh, dependent on the implementation partner like you? Yeah, so we, we document all the processes that we put in place and all the automation. So if they wanted to hire someone else internally to manage it, you know, it's a matter of them, they can build the, the integrations. Like, you know, the documentation says, you know, when this person hits this stage in the pipeline and these custom fields are checked, here's the APIs that need to trigger in Asana and in, in QuickBooks Online. Here's all the things that need to be done. So they can go and do that on their own. Like if, if they really want to do it internally, we give you the documentation of what we built. We don't just hand you the platform over, though. Like, that, that's on our system. Like, we can't just get, like, oh, here, new person. Here's our entire system. Just take it. Like, we can't do that. Um, so, so that's where it makes more sense, definitely, for the client to stay with us. And we understand their, their business. But we're not against uh, doing that if it comes up. And, and there aren't limitations. It's just a matter of them building out a lot of these APIs and things like that. Uh, with with the other software that they're using, it's it's a gray area where um, I haven't had that come up much yet. You know, it's not something that has happened significantly. Where mm-hmm. them paying us is significantly cheaper than it would ever be hiring a full time employee to do it. Like mm-hmm. a lot of our clients are paying paying us less than a hundred grand a year, and they would probably have to spend a hundred grand to get someone internally to do it. So there's where it just doesn't make any sense. Why would you pay someone a hundred grand when when you only need to pay us twenty or thirty or forty grand a year? Like it, it, that part, it just doesn't make sense. So I'm sure eventually, you know. So that's where a lot of companies take off the pressure of themselves by hiring the implementation partners because they don't want to go through the 
whole uh, struggle of, you know, process of hiring a new person and, you know, like providing the benefits or doing their whatever mm -hmm. the HR work and all that stuff. All they can do, uh, all they have to do is just give the contract to the implementation partner and it's their job from there. They're going to get mm -hmm. water, whoever, the, how many resources they want from there, from the implementation partner and get the job done. They don't really have to do any sort of the work. Mm -hmm. They just get the person doing it. It's more just like, uh, you know, like, uh, just like a handyman coming in and doing his job and going back. Yeah, that's it. Absolutely. Yeah. The the whole concept of subcontracting versus, you know, hiring and, and things like that. But yeah, it man. A lot. Hey, this has been this has been awesome. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah, um it's really nice talking to you, Alex. Yeah. Yeah, most definitely. So uh you know, where can people go to find you if you want to be found? Is is there are you big on Twitter or, or anything like that? Well, I'm not really that big on uh, social media yet, but I'm I'm on Twitter. But all I do is just read the tweets from yeah. people I like. Yeah, <laughs> I don't really tweet a lot. Uh, but I might maybe I'm just trying to you know like uh, you know increase my uh, following. Maybe I'll just start. I mean, after this call, I think maybe I should just get in my myself involved into this kind of things. Maybe I'll just do just start reading something professional too. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I think it's important, like in my mind, to kind of build a community around this. I don't feel like there's enough people talking about this in the automation space and the CRM and business process. So that's where mm -hmm. I'm trying to get get the conversation started a little bit and meet people like you and, and talk and, and build a community around it because it's so fun to talk about this stuff, but you need people yep. that think this way, right? So... I totally agree. Yep, because I I myself came to know a lot of, about uh, a lot of other things because I barely know about uh, know anything about any other CRMs out there. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, I came to know a lot about ProsperWorks now. Like, uh, how how many multiple you know external tools tools mm -hmm. you guys been using and how complex it is compared yeah. to Salesforce and all that. So, I mean, it it was a really good intellectual discussion that we had today. Yeah, cool, definitely, man. All right, well, I'm sure we'll you know keep in touch and definitely have another call in the future. Sure, sure, definitely, Alex. Great. All right. This is Alex Bass with Analysis Paralysis. Thank you so much for listening to another episode. I am planning on doing many more of these. So if you could, if you enjoy this, please, if you can make your way over to iTunes and leave a review. Unfortunately, I think that's one of the only areas that, that you can really review podcasts nowadays. So if you could do that, that would be greatly appreciated. You could just search for analysis paralysis. If you want to reach out to me, because maybe you want to possibly join me on an episode in the future, we can talk about business process automation, efficiency, CRM, Maybe if you're a business owner that's implemented automation. So please reach out to me on Twitter. Alex H. Bass is my handle. Or you can email me at abass at aparalysis.com. Thanks so much.